Hi, welcome to Pivot to First. I'm Mike Seidel, Chief Technical Officer at Pivot CX. And every day I get to work with some of the most brilliant people in the industry with one goal, turning hiring into a competitive advantage. Today, I'm really excited about my guest, Joe Dodds. Um, she is one of the leaders of the employee engagement movement, and she's the host of the podcast, Engage for Success. I met Joe when uh, she invited me to be on her podcast, and we had a great conversation. And I think, I think Joe's insights are gonna be really, really valid to, valuable to you. So welcome, Joe. Thank you, thanks, Mike. Thanks for having me here. Sure. So Joe, tell, tell us a little bit of how you got where you are and a little bit about what employee engagement actually is. Okay. So um, I, I had an original background in retail HR for many years, and then I went off and did lots of other things. And I still do lots of other things. But in uh, the meantime, about 10 years ago, I got involved with the Engage for Success movement in the UK, which is the national movement around employee engagement, all about uh, spreading the word about what employment, uh, employee engagement is, uh, shining a light on good practice, and uh, as we say, helping people and workplaces to thrive. So uh, I went to initially volunteer with the movement, and then I ended up uh, working uh, with the movement around our website and our social media and our sort of behind the scenes stuff. But I also continue to volunteer as co-strategy director. We're a volunteer uh, run movement, uh, although also part of the Chartered Institute of Personal and Development in the UK. Uh, so that's that's where sort of I got uh, into the employee engagement space a bit more. I'd d obviously done quite a lot of that through my work in organisations uh, when I was in HR. But I, I, I remember speaking to a friend in uh, recent years who said, uh, you know, it's all right for you. I used to work with him years ago. He's like, you know, you're, you're doing all the exciting stuff that the HR people do now without all of the boring things like uh, you know, employee relations and recruitment, <laughs> things like that. So I was like, yeah, you're right. Employee engagement is the, you know, the really interesting bit as far as I'm concerned. And, you know, what it is, it's well, about... Employee um, engagement. Yeah. Again? Employee engagement is one, one of these topics for for uh, anybody that that is really at the C-level, in the C-suite. It's really a frustrating topic because there's so many different definitions of what employee engagement is and yeah. and why it's so important. If if you were talking to you know a, the CEO of a, a, a larger company or even a small business, what would you tell them uh, they need to pay attention to when it comes to employee engagement? Why why is this so important uh, to yes. a company? Well, it's interesting you talk about there being so many different definitions. Um, that where the Engage for Success movement came from was a report that was written by David McLeod and Nita Clark called Engaging for Success. And they wrote that in uh, 2009. And in there, they talk about the fact that there are so many definitions of engagement and that that's sort of one of the, the problems. But they also uh, declined to define it uh, themselves because it, it does cover so many different sort of aspects of, of employing people. Um, but for me, it's that, that bit about people having something meaningful about their work so that when they come to work they can do the best work that they can and they uh, you know enjoy their job and they feel that they're treated well and that they have a great place to work so um we we, we say nita clark's famous quote is it's it's about the people stupid <laughs> and uh, you know that that's where it sort of comes from and it's um you know, you'd think that it would just be, you know, people would think about this sort of stuff all the time. Um, but it's interesting that I mm -hmm. think from an HR perspective that there's over the years, there's all been, there's, there's always been lots of different words and phrases to describe this, you know, making the workplace great for people to to, to come to work and enjoy themselves and give the, give of their best. Um, and, you know, even recently, we've ended up with employee experience as like the sort of next 
sort of step on. And I'm not sure we've ever actually really cracked the engagement piece or any of the other terms we used to use for it <laughs> anyway. So we really don't need new names or new concepts. We just need to get better at doing it, I think. Well, with, with the great, you know, with the, the current era we're in, you know, the great, uh, the whole great resignation, um, mm -hmm. CEOs and, and, and really, you know, everyone is starting to pay a lot more attention to um, a problem that I think has been a problem in modern business for a decade or two, and that's turnover. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Right now, turnover is an epidemic. And um, to be honest, you know, COVID just accelerated what was already happening. Mm -hmm. And I think employee engagement might be a really big piece of why we're seeing so much turnover out there. What do you think? What, so pe because people aren't engaged, I'm presuming that's what you're saying. <laughs> that's what's causing them to go. <laughs> or maybe it's that they're engaged better in other places and they, they sort of see that, that opportunity. I think um, through the, the pandemic, some organisations, I think it almost went like this, you know, some organisations were like amazing and how they engaged already was pretty good, but they really stepped it up and, you know, they focused on the well-being of the employees. They um, had an opportunity to really um, sort of, make sure that all the leaders and everyone in the organization were all real people with real issues and real challenges you know there, there was no sort of them and us within that sort of whole pandemic situation um and you know really stepped up whereas i think the organizations where engagement has always been a problem possibly um or not, not even possibly <laughs> probably went the other way because you know whatever they weren't doing you know they needed to do even more of what they weren't doing sort of thing to, to get through to get through that. So I think actually it's sort of polarised. We've got, you know, the organisations that have done it really well and the organisations that have, have continued to do it badly and, and even more so. Um, so, yeah, I think people are leaving because they've not felt looked after, they've not felt and they still, you know, and they don't feel now that it's a great place to be, but also that they see an attractive opposition elsewhere, I would think, because there's been quite a lot of publicity about the organisations that did do a good job. You know, one of the interesting things about the great resignation is um, the, the articles that I've been reading over the last few weeks have been about buyer's remorse from people that took a new job during the great resignation. And the thing a lot of them are pointing out in the new job is that um, they get into the new job and they feel like it wasn't what they were recruited to do. They feel like um, kind of kind of like they're floating out there and, and don't really know what what their employer expected. Uh, they mm -hmm. just know that when they got recruited out of their old job, there was more money and the promise of this job is going to be great. Mm -hmm. Interesting. I guess, I mean, there's, as there is movement, there is more movement, isn't there? You know, opportunities arise, things sound exciting. Organizations probably put more effort into appearing attractive. And as you say, if there's then a big gap between that promise and what's actually delivered, you know, there's your problem. And, you know, in the Engage Success movement, we, we use um, what we call the the four enablers and um, when we're looking at engagement and one of them uh, is organizational integrity and it's that whole say do gap that you don't say all these wonderful things about how you behave in the organization and actually do something completely different and it, the same applies in the recruitment process that uh, you know you uh, do all the selling of how amazing you are and then if you don't deliver that when people actually arrive there, there was that old joke I remember from when I was in HR and I'm rubbish at telling jokes and it's long and I'm not going to tell it but it's the it's the one about um you um get to the to the um the gates pearly gates and st peter says do you want to go to heaven or hell and then they they start doing a whole description of of one or the other and 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 it makes hell sound amazing and uh 
and so you you choose hell and then you get there and it's horrible and then they say you know oh that was when we were recruiting you you know we told you all these wonderful things about it when we were recruiting you but now you're here now you're on the staff you know it's a different story sort of thing and uh, I think that's you know it's the human nature to do that isn't it but actually to do that and then lose the people you've recruited uh, very quickly is you know a, a, you know a, a fool's errand or, or whatever the expression is in terms of the amount of effort that you put in and the amount of money it costs you mm-hmm. um, and also your reputation. No, it really it really makes a big difference, and and I think I think a lot of business owners, um, you know, I think we're very aspirational about talking about our companies. We like to mm-hmm. see ourselves as leaders. We like to see ourselves as doing the right thing. And unfortunately, sometimes the reality that's going on, you know, behind the wall um, isn't as good as what we originally thought it was going to be. So um, it's it's really, really hard sometimes to really understand what the facts are around your own workforce and, and mm-hmm. uh, what it's really like to work at your company. And something that we've been doing a lot of recently is encouraging CEOs to look at what that's like and and you know, try to find a way to kind of secret shop being an employee at your company. Or, you know, in our case, our, our company does a lot of early pipeline recruiting work. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're, we're really big on having CEOs actually go through the hiring process like they were applying for a job at their own company to see exactly how people are being treated and what they can expect, uh, to, you know, to be dealing with when people mm-hmm. get hired and start, you know, what, what, what did they experience? And a yeah. lot of times um, they're shocked at how awful the experience is. Yes. Yeah, I can imagine. It's interesting to talk about, you know, CEOs experiencing, you know, what it's really like to work in their organizations. Uh, our former executive director at Engage for Success um, was out of work between the sort of beginning of the pandemic and, and a year ago. Um, and uh, she actually ended up going and taking a, a role working in a distribution center, actually on the on the floor packing boxes mm-hmm. and didn't tell them anything about where she'd come from and um you know they kept being pleasantly surprised that she'd got some sort of quite strategic comments to make about processes and things like that and they still never really sussed who she was um but the stories I mean, she's a really good writer so she you know furnishes with hilarious stories on facebook about her 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 time in in the warehouse sort of thing um but you could see why some of these things happened and, and one example this is a very simple one there's a, a company called Action for Happiness and they do a calendar every month and it tells you each day a little thing to do to sort of help you to be happier. Um, and uh, I have it on my iPad. So I can tell you, for example, um, look around and spot three things you find unusual or pleasant is the 17th of March, for example, on uh, on this month's Karen, uh, calendar, which is about Mindful March. So she's in the warehouse and she hears um, over the tannoy just a, a phrase like I've just read out to you blasted out over the whole distribution mm-hmm. centre. She recognises it for what it is because she's been involved in this space and she knows that it's the Action for Happiness calendar. But there's no context, no explanation. And then she starts looking at the calendar and there's some sort of very random things on the calendar that if they say this on, you know, in the whole room, whole distribution centre without any explanation, people will think it is very weird. <laughs> and you can see that what they were trying to do was that you know they'd seen that there was an opportunity to try and spread the word and you know encourage the workforce to be happier and to to take these small actions each day to help them to be so but they hadn't thought about the context they hadn't explained it they hadn't sort of um you know put a whole process in place for it to make sense to anybody so all it did was just sound you know really stupid <laughs> and um, probably caused you know more sort of mirth than anything else but that you know it's a prime example of 
having this sort of great idea thinking that, you know, we need to make things better for people, but actually the reality is something different because of the way that it's then sort of implemented and, you know, that you haven't got the bigger story and all that sort of thing. So I do think a lot of this stuff often is, is quite simple, but it's also very difficult to do well, if you see what I mean. <laughs> well, usually, usually the simple things are difficult, the, the ones that are worth doing anyway, you know, they're easy mm -hmm. to say and hard to do. Yes. And I think yeah. with engagement, this is definitely a subject where, where it's really hard because as a leader, you, you have to be able to go walk a mile in your employee's shoes mm -hmm. and you have to understand what it is that, that, that these people are up against and what they're dealing yeah. with in their lives. You have to actually, um, dare I say, care. You really do. <laughs> and <Careful>. if you <laughs> don't. Yeah. Um, if you don't, I think what happens is it just gets really weird. It's just mm -hmm. weird. Um, yeah. If it's not genuine, uh, no, it has I to really come from the heart. And it, it really brings up one of my favorite things in, in, that I see out there every day when I get to work with different companies, HR teams, and that's that um, there is a level of disconnect from reality that's there and, and, and a level of, um, you know, I work a lot with recruitment. And so early mm -hmm. on, um, everybody is kind of treated like, um, chicken to be processed, if you will. It's a candidate who applied for a job and we're going to analyze them and analyze them and process and process. And, and so this person applied for a job and we spend three weeks processing them before we try to talk to them. And mm -hmm. then as an employer, we wonder why we can't hire any good people. Mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and maybe the right move was instead of um, processing, maybe the right move was to uh, maybe after they applied, reach out and say, thank you for applying. And start talking and build a relationship mm -hmm. so that um, you actually can uh, build on that and, and have a, a real, you know, a real employee employer relationship grow out okay. of that. So it just really, I, I totally agree with you about, about mm -hmm. uh, sometimes employee engagement efforts look really weird because mm -hmm. I, I think there's nothing like no heart behind them. No. And I think that thing with the recruitment as well is that especially, um, in the days when it wasn't a candidate's market, um, you know, employers would, um, you know, start quite arrogantly, you know, putting an advert out and getting lots of applications and not worrying, as you say, but just processing, not actually wanting to engage and, and build a relationship because they didn't need to. And even just, um, you know, when you get a, a, a letter or an email that says, you know, thanks for your application, um, if you're successful, we'll contact you again. But, you know, we get too many applications to contact you other than that sort of thing. And that's not quite the phrasing. But that in itself, even if you're one of the successful ones who do who does get contacted, sets you off in a, in a thing of, well, what? So you're not going to reply to everybody. And, you know, when I used to recruit, I used to recruit for retail volume recruitment. I used to reply to everybody because I just think that's so important. But also there then becomes that switch somewhere through the recruitment process where you're trying to win those people over, you're trying to engage with them, you're trying to encourage them to take the job because you want that person and therefore they suddenly become important to you. But it's not at the beginning of the process, as you've just said, is it? It's it's somewhere along the way, which no. is why often people lose good people because they don't switch, make that switch early enough. And actually, if they started <laughs> by treating all the candidates as good people to, to connect with, then they wouldn't have to make that switch and they wouldn't have to time it to, to make sure that they've done it before they've you know gone off somewhere else or whatever so it is interesting thinking about where you start there's a there's a really there's a really practical side to talking to people early in the recruiting process that that really the the whole post-covid era has has really brought to the forefront 
And, and that's that um, people are available to hire right after they apply for the job. A week from now, they might not be. Nice. And we mm-hmm. see especially, we have, we have some pretty big retailers that use our software. And mm-hmm. um, we, we see every day where they're able to hire people um, that they ordinarily wouldn't have been able to because they're getting to them the same hour that they applied for the job yeah. in. So they're having that conversation right away. Mm-hmm. And I think right now, um, just given because the dynamic of the market speed, that, that speed that you start the relationship at really dictates how big of a pool of people you have to select mm-hmm. from when it does come time to make offers. Mm-hmm. So Totally, um, totally. Really, really. I quoted you the other day, actually. I was talking to a, a, an organization who are recruiting and, and I was saying that I'd interviewed uh, somebody who um, was using... Um, texting chatting and and quick stuff to to um to sort of engage with people very quickly and um as i was saying you know how valuable that is they said they'd recently lost a candidate in the recruitment process because they hadn't moved quickly enough so straight away you know they they'd acknowledge that uh, what you're doing is uh, is where they need to be because they you know they've been on the other side of it sort of thing so mm-hmm. yeah it's 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 definitely covid has definitely sped up sped up the process and certainly injected some urgency into things. But mm. even two years before COVID hit, we were still leaving the era of the candidates market or, or the, the employer's market and moving mm. into the era of the candidates market. So yeah. it's yeah. really changed. Um, so so how, how important do you think to overall engagement, um, starting your relationship off with candidates on the right foot is, uh, how, does that re- is it really important in, in having an engaged workforce? Well, absolutely. I think, you know, setting out your stall, you know, being very clear right from, you know, the beginning is is really important. And, uh, you know, I mentioned the four enablers earlier and I said organisation integrity. The other three of them are having a strong strategic narrative. So that's a strong story about where the organisation has been, where it is now and where it's going. And crucially, actually being able to connect that person with you know, what they do every day with that strategic narrative. And, you know, that's just as important as part of the recruitment process as it is when they're working with you. You know, the second one's about engaging managers. So having managers who regularly coach their people and who are able to connect their people with that strategic narrative for the organisation. And again, if you're going through the recruitment process, you need to have those engaging recruiters, engaging managers, you know, sort of using those skills at that stage. Um, And then the third enabler is around employee voice. So, giving um, your employees the opportunity to, uh, you know, get involved and influence what's happening within the organisation and truly feel listened to. And, you know, I think from a recruitment point of view, often organisations, like we said, are sort of, they position themselves as being all powerful and that the candidate, you know, does what they're told sort of thing, you know, and gets the job or doesn't. And actually that part of the engagement that we've talked about in terms of really getting people to buy into the organization early early on is about them having a role to play, isn't it? It's about them having an opinion. And, you know, sometimes it's about them not being the right candidate for the job because you've told them everything and they've told you who they are and actually you agree that they're not right for it or that the job isn't right for them and that they then, you know, move on and, and you think about them for another role in the future sort of thing. And it's, 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 it's always like that... Um, behaving as grown-ups isn't it (laughs) and you know partnering partnering around recruitment and partnering around working together and 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 you know using the characteristics of a partnership right from the beginning that can really make that difference I think in terms of engaging people 
I, that's so important. I know, you know, in our, our own hiring at, at Pivot CX, one of the tools that we use to, to ensure we have a lot of engagement from our employees is we, uh, and this is something that comes from being a, a tech startup, is that we, we tend to bring everybody in and then we, we deal them in to uh, our company. You know, we give all of our employees stock options so that if we, you know, grow up and sell the company, they all get to participate uh, mm-hmm. in our success. And what we found is uh, really, if we treat every employee like they are going to be a partner and they are important, um, we, we get their best work. And, and yeah. we're, we're in a very competitive market. So getting the best work out of our, our people, not because they have to or feel like they're being coerced into it because they want to and they genuinely yeah. want our company to succeed has been a, a, just a huge advantage and mm-hmm. uh, has helped us really cut down on turnover and and helped us retain some just absolutely brilliant people. So uh, mm. totally, uh, totally agree with you. Mm. Yeah. And I do think you're in a so, sort of advantageous um, place as a tech company as well. Cause I think if you look at what's happening in the tech space in terms of employing people, you know, you are at the the sort of forefront of, of all of that sort of stuff. And, and that's certainly not the case for many other sectors. And, and uh, so I, I think um, it's great that you're doing it. I also think, um, you know, it puts you under pressure, doesn't it, to stay at the at the front of it as well, because there's so many people that, that in effect are competing for your people or your potential people uh, in the same sort of space. No, it makes it makes a big difference. And, and it, it does help us defend our workforce a little bit. You know, people do think twice about leaving and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But I think where we see the most value in it really is when we go into a meeting and, um, I, you know, as a leader, you need to know the facts and be able to act on the facts. And when you have people that uh, really feel invested in the, in the company, they're not going to be afraid to tell me that something that we're getting ready to do is a mistake, or they're not going to hide from me that something isn't performing well. They're going to feel like we need to deal with this problem and get it fixed so that, that, uh, you know, that those stock options I have will be worth something. So, uh, you know, you know, a little bit of self-interest, but, but it really makes a big difference in in the level of honesty. And, and honestly, it, it, it literally makes our employees into partners. So it it helps a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, So we're kind of coming to the end, the end of the podcast here. And I do have a few questions I'd like to ask you. They're all pretty easy. So what, what is your, uh, what book is, uh, what book that you've read has just changed your life? Oh, my favorite book is called The Slight Edge, and it talks about how if you make very small daily actions in a positive way, then they compound and you get a much stronger um, improvement in the things that you're doing. And obviously it works the other way around. If you do small things that are bad every day, then that compounds and makes things much worse. So let's go for the positive every day instead. But uh, yeah, the the concept of, of The Slight Edge and just taking small daily actions um, and anything you do. And, you know, in, in my previous life in HR, I worked in an organization where we really focused on the the, the um, Japanese concept of Kaizen, so small incremental changes, and, and that made a massive difference in the organization. So, uh, yeah, all of that uh, on, a, on a common theme. <laughs> okay, favorite movie? Oh, uh, um, Life is Beautiful, which you may not have heard. It's an Italian film in Italian with subtitles, and uh, it's all about... Uh, the Holocaust. It was uh, a, an awful scenario to have the film set in, but the, the 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 joy of it is that the the father in it makes his son believe he's in a game. So there's, it's a poignant a poignant film because you're seeing 
the horrible concentration camp scenarios and everything else. But this little boy is thinking that he's playing a game and, you know, I won't ruin the end of the story. But uh, yeah, it's a, a very powerful film. Sounds sounds like one I need to watch. Uh, <laughs> then finally, last last question. So if if I'm thinking about employee engagement and wanting to look at maybe how I can learn more about how to better engage my own employees, what's the best way to start down that path? Uh, I'd suggest you go to the Engage for Success website. <laughs> There's loads of free resources on there. And uh, uh, the first thing I'd do is look at the four enablers and think about how you can apply those in your organization because they, they are, again, very simple but very powerful. Joe Dodds, thank you so much for being with us here today. Have an absolutely great week. Lovely. Thanks for inviting me. And you too.